Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. Thank you. Welcome to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel, and I do have a special guest today. Hey, everyone. Hi, Chris. I am Marjorie Anderson. I'm the product manager for community at Project Management Institute. I am also the founder of Community by Association. Oh, that sounds important. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just talking uh, on the pre-show a little bit. um, And thank you so much for coming on. I was so excited that you said yes to this. and I wasn't sure if you were because you didn't reply right away. But when you did, I was like, oh, my God, and it took us a little time to get you on the calendar. So you're, you must be a busy woman. It, it, it has been a busy few weeks, that is for sure. And I have to tell you that I've been listening to and kind of watching from afar Peers Over Beers. I'm like, one day Chris is going to ask me to be on Peers Over Beers. I can feel it. I'm just going to wait. And then it finally came. Oh, you don't so have to wait. You should have just asked. <laughs> you should just ask. You know, that, I think that's that's the thing is if you would have asked, I would have done it. No problem. I just, you know, uh, I've been busy too. But yeah, thanks so much for coming on. We were talking a little bit about um, over the last couple of years, you've, I feel like you've kind of exploded into the uh, community management. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, so that's uh, really awesome. But, you know, I feel like you've really kind of come a long way over the last maybe it's two or three years and speaking engagements and getting your name known and everything else. I'm loving that you're, you're doing that. You know, what's, what's changed? And it, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a, that's a great question. It's something that I sit and reflect on. Um, so just, just to kind of give a little bit of background, like I've been doing this work for about eight plus years. And when I first started community management work, there was lots of lots of con, um, content and conversations and communities out there for community managers. But yep. I work in an association and there are some nuances that are very, very different than, say, a product community or, you know, um, you know, some other sort of um, community um, because of the way that those organizations are governed. Hmm. And so I was looking for content that specifically spoke to those nuances and those maybe governance challenges. So things like how do you deal with ensuring that you uh, continue to get the budget that you need from your board of directors? Because in an association, your board of directors approves your budget, not finance. Hmm. Um, so those are the types of things Such. that I'm looking for. Yeah. And how do you how do you ensure that you are providing value not only to your members, but also possibly helping create connections at the local level through separately incorporated chapters? So those are the types of things that I was looking for. And I could not find content anywhere about hmm. that. Um, and the one blog that I did find um, was uh, the voice for that at the time that I really had a lot of trust in was Maggie McGarry. And when I found her blog, she had stopped writing. And so I was like, what now? Um, and in 2018, I decided I was going to start a blog. Uh, I was five years into my community journey and I decided to start a blog to share what I was learning. Um, and it, everything kind of took off from there. Um, people who were in the association and, and nonprofit space started to find and connect with my content. And um, from there, I launched an online community for those folks. Oh, and nice. yeah, yeah. And then in 2020, I started to really explore what 
community by association could be? What more could it be for the association and nonprofit space? And I kind of did a soft launch at the end of 2020 um, and moved from just it being just being a blog to an LLC. So there's this <laughs> element now of content creation and community and an element of what I like to think of as service yeah. to associations and nonprofits and helping them figuring out the strategies and the, and the things that they need in order to build strong programs and putting the accountability for the success of those programs in the hands of senior leaders to support their community staff. So um, that's that's kind of the journey that, it, that it's taken. And I think because of that journey and really kind of staying tapped into what I'm seeing as trends and needs in that space, um, that has been um, a key piece in kind of really kind of pushing that work to the forefront. I love that. That's, it's called passion. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something like for you to, for me to like, yeah, I do that during the day. And also that's going to do be something I do on the side too, is um, like, I have to be passionate about it in order to do it. Like, and, I, and this is work I absolutely love. You know, it's, it's funny because um, a few things. One is, um, this peers over beers, even as of late, uh, has become more of a passion for me. Um, when I first started peers over beers, it was one because, um, you know, Michael Sandoval and I were the founders of this and more, more so I just wanted to be close to him because I knew after that I quit Rexel and went to another company that, you know, he's a hard dude to, uh, get in front or to stay in touch with because, you know, he doesn't get his text. So my idea was, Let's do a peers over, not a peers over, but let's do a podcast. And um, so when we did this podcast, he said yes, and I was so ecstatic. And he came up with the name Peers Over Beers and even the uh, the logo and everything else. So I'll probably always keep that. But um, but it, then it became more of a, and it would be really nice to educate these people because a lot of times you would start hearing um, uh, people talk a lot about tactics that you know they're doing things they're doing to drive the community but they were never talking about the overall strategy and everything else and you know i was like well if you guys the more i've done this the more i've learned that you know you have to um uh you have to have a strategy and you have to align that your strategy with the business strategy goals and everything else to be successful at the end of the day in a business level now it's probably a little different so this is now since michael passed away back in late december it's been more of my goal to really focus in on and make videos do these these kinds of things to to educate our community leaders of the future right and even hopefully leaders like the podcast too, because, you know, I think they're learning where I'm having leaders like yourself on the podcast, because I think it's very important. So, but it does become sometimes a, it's, it's hard because, you know, on Friday nights, I'm putting this together to put, put out on Saturday morning, and then I'm putting some clips together. And sometimes I'll do a uh, post one on Wednesday, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a lot of work and effort. There's a long about way to say that, but I know what you're going through. <laughs> but when you love it like it's worth it right yeah yeah it it is and you know it, it it and it brings me to a lot of people like yourself right and it pushes me to reach out me even reaching out to you I wasn't sure you know if you would want to do it and I was like well let's just try and that's what I did to um Nicole Saunders from Zendesk it's what I did with uh Elizabeth Kinsey from Slack and everybody else you know like so it pushes me to reach out to 
leaders in the space. So, um, and that's what I want is I want leaders that can help, you know, push the community uh, kind of management, you know, strategy, the, the leader stuff, you know, forward, you know, and to know what, what is really there. So, um, so I love that you're doing that, you know, are you, are you doing this or, you know, do you have a lot of people on your community now? And, and what's, the, what's that like on your personal community? Yeah. So for community by association, it's still, um, it's still relatively small, which is okay. okay. We surpassed a hundred people in, um, yeah, in January. Um, and the thing is what I find is that, yes, there are people who definitely have the, the, the role, the official role of community manager in these organizations, but lots of times what we tend to see in associations um, is that um, they'll think, okay, we need a community. And the person who manages that community already has a full-time job. So it's membership specialists. While you are responsible for ensuring our membership growth as an association, also build this community. And they're like, I don't know what that means, but I'll try. And so they're doing that off the side of their desk or they're like, hey, VP of communications, we want you to be responsible for launching this community. And they're like, I don't know what that means, but okay. And then, so they do the things that they think they're supposed to do and they start with platform and they're like, we did it. And so- (laughs) You build (laughs) it and they don't come, what happens? Right. (laughs) And so there are people in this space who are doing this work, but they don't identify as community managers because that is not the title that they have. And that's lots of times not the work they were hired to do. Yeah. And so um, the, the challenge then is finding those people and letting them know, hey, we understand that you've got this work on your desk and you've got this under your belt right now. And until and less than until your association says we need a dedicated community team for this work, you're it. Here's a space for you to be able to do that work. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do is last year I launched um, a state of commu- association communities survey to really see how these programs are being resourced and, you know, whether or not they've got um, the support within the organization to help them grow and whether or not that understanding exists behind where those, um, what the value of those communities are. And so um, to benchmark against that, I need to to do that again. So I'm going to be putting out that survey again, um, probably within the next couple of weeks, just so that we can continue to see what that looks like. Yeah. My guess is that we'll see more and more community managers in official community managers in these associations. But I'm also interested to see whether or not um, we're making any progress in terms of support, in terms of teams growing, in terms of budgets growing, um, and those types of things. So, you know, those are things that we'll, we'll uncover. But I think that um, it's really a, one way or another. Or? I think that I think there are definitely. I think that there are probably more roles, but I don't know that there's more financial support for these programs in these in these in these spaces. And the reason is, is because associations and nonprofits don't have big budgets for the most part. Yeah. Most of the time, they're small staff associations and organizations, and they have maybe 50 people, maybe 100 people. Um, if you're lucky, you come across an association or a nonprofit that's got you know, three or 400 people that work there. But when you think about why associations and nonprofits exist, it's 
it's it's a little bit more philanthropic. Uh, so they put a lot of effort and a lot of um, resourcing behind things like membership growth, like yep. um, and events. And you know, it's it's so funny to me because the whole reason associations and nonprofits exist is the same reason that communities exist mm-hmm. to bring people together. Yep. Yet when you say hey, how are you thinking about community as a program within your organization? They're like, I, I don't know what that means. What so, uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> which is mind boggling to me. <laughs> I think sometimes, and, and probably I say more so, but a lot in associations, I can assume that, you know, because there's not a big budget for it. And although there might be buzz around communities because of the buzzing stuff even going around for the last two years, and maybe there's, maybe not money, but there's interest in, in communities there and pretty much anywhere. If you think about it, like, especially in the product side and things like that, um, that, you know, like the people just think you build something and, and they come and, and it just, you know, you can't half-ass it in a sense, you know, I, I'm not a big believer in, you know, Hey, let's build this community and, and we'll just kind of do these things for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, to take off and then we'll get a community manager or whatever. I mean, you know, either do it or don't, you know, um, because most likely, you know, if they're growing, trying to grow membership and stuff like that, I would, I would assume community can help that in a big way. Like, I mean, I don't know, but it just seems like if you have a lot of people that you want to come into your community as, a, as an association, you bring them in uh, and then you've got like, you use higher logic, is that right? Or do you use some other platform for other stuff? Yeah, for yeah for PMI, we have a custom-built solution. And for uh, Community by Association, we use CrowdStack. Okay, got it. Sorry, I don't know why I thought higher logic. Anyways, any of these platforms can bring you um, uh, those memberships, right? I mean, once you've got it, you've got the email address, first name, last name, and then you can start building out, I assume, the the journey, you know, for the customers and everything else about, you know, digitally, you know, and, and just, I don't know, like, to me, that's just basic. I don't know. It is. And I think the thing, I think that um, where we kind of get um, maybe stuck from an association standpoint is that if I'm building out a membership program, I know the value that that brings to my association. I know that having members means that that brings in dues and in exchange for those dues, here's what we give to people. And it's not that simple with community. Hmm. Um, There is a level of relationship building and trust building that goes into building community, right? Because it's not just standing up the best damn platform that you can find and expecting people to come in and then making sure it's connected to all of your other digital infrastructure and being like, yeah, we got it. But as I'm coming into this community, Mm -hmm. do I trust that what I post is not going to reach back to my boss because I have a problem that I'm trying to express to the community and figure Mm -hmm. out how to handle it? Does that help me? Or can I trust that I am saying that I'm looking for a job and know that not someone from my my organization is going to see that I'm looking for a job? Do I trust and understand Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, if I give my uh, my opinion on a question that someone's not going to lash out at me? And that takes time to build. That takes time to understand from a community member standpoint that 
yeah, this organization has my back. They understand that, you know, I, I understand why I'm here. I understand why this community exists and how it can help benefit me and how it's going to help me move along the rest of my journey, even though if they're not thinking in those terms, like they know why that community is there and how it's going to help them. And then the organization can demonstrate that they also understand what those needs are. And that takes time. That yeah, is not trust. something you can just, yeah, you can't just pop that, pop the can, pour it out and be like, okay, look at all this stuff we've got. You, you have to take time to, to build that. And I think that sometimes people approach community building the same way they would approach a product launch, hmm. the same way hmm. that they would approach uh, building out a new certification, the same way that they would approach um, creating content. And it's, it's not, there's so much more that goes into that. And you're dealing with how people navigate spaces yeah. versus whether or not they will adopt the thing that you just released, right? And so that's a that's a key thing that I think I love that. Um, sometimes people get confused about that that causes the whole well community doesn't work. <laughs> community does work. How did you how did you well, go about strategizing and thinking about why that community needs to exist? And so sometimes you have to take them all the way back to the drawing mm-hmm. board. I think it's such a good point because it's really about trust, you know, at the end of the day. And you know, you just put it in perspective, you know, let's say you're part of a group, you know, of runners, for example. And, you know, like I was thinking about this yesterday. So we have this thing here, just let's put it in a personal level, because that's really what it is, is you don't just build like this big community and we're all friends all of a sudden, you know, it takes time to build those relationships. One, even on a digital space, like because of all the things that you just said, it's that you got to trust. So there's this group that we get together every Thursday and there's also a Facebook group of community people. I'm just trying to put it in perspective, you know, and, uh, and then not everybody has to come, but sometimes people come to this run uh, and it's called Dallas dirt runners. And uh, this new person came. Uh, and so it's her first time. And so she kind of, I knew her from running from another group, but she didn't know the rest of the group. Right. So if, if I weren't, if I didn't run with her, luckily she was my speed and everything else. I ran with her and uh, introduced her to the group a little bit, you know, and so she talked and she was excited, but it's got to be a hard thing for her to come into this space that everybody else knows each other. And she doesn't know anybody, but me, you know, and luckily she knew me, you know, can you imagine if they don't know anyone that's even harder and it's hard even for a group sometimes to accept a new person in, you know what I mean? Like, who is this person? You know what I mean? So um, not to say that was the case from yesterday, but it's, that's the thinking, you know, still you go in and you're kind of looking and sometimes you're, if it's a post, maybe you want to post, maybe you don't like, you know, it's just, it, that's the hardest thing to do is to get people to engage, right? Like, how do you do that? Only a very small percent of your people will engage anyways. And in and, and a small percentage of those people that will engage will be your super user type people to help answer. But then how do you kind of continue that? Because those super users get, you know, I'm getting off a little bit, but they, but they, they get tired too. So how do you kind of keep that funnel going on a consistent basis? You know, bringing new people in, bringing new people to engage, bringing new people to become a super, you know, all those kinds of things. And it's just a vicious cycle, you know, and, um, and it's hard to do. And it's hard to explain that to executives and others to say, well, this thing's not working. Like we've been open a year, almost a year. And can you imagine like, so I'm presenting numbers 
And sometimes the numbers month over month are, you know, sometimes I have a hundred new users, sometimes I'll have 50 new users. Uh, and then traffic is up and down that first year. It's not very consistent. And I'm like, whoa, one, we're a very small company. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Two is, um, you know, people still don't completely trust. That's why we build programs to engage them, to give them the right content and things like that. And when we build the right programs, people will continue to come. They'll start asking questions. They'll help start answering questions and all those things. But this could take, you know, this could be a year long, two years long or whatever. This is, this is a journey. And then you got to continue uh, doing different things to, to, you know, make sure that they continue to engage and making sure you're still relevant to what they're looking forward to doing. I can imagine you've been doing it for a long time at one place, I think. Uh, and so I'm sure you can relate, no? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we have a pretty large community at PMI and um, it's, it's a large global community with over um, 900,000 registered users. Of course, they're not all active, but we've got a pretty big community. But, you know, when we're looking at success and we're looking at whether or not the things that we're doing in our community are working. Yes, we're looking at things like the number of users who are coming to the community. We're looking at content output. We're looking at those types of things. But mm -hmm. I, the more meaningful things to me that tell a story and the metrics that I tend to go toward when I have to kind of explain um, you know, whether or not the community is being successful or driving value is, are people coming back? Yeah. What does our return user rate look like? Oh, I like that. What does our unique user rate mm -hmm. look like? Not just yeah. overall users, but are there different people coming into the community? Yep. Uh, are they having conversations? So are they messaging each other? Are they using the inbox feature? If they are, you know, that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. How long is it taking people to get their questions answered? So yep. what's the average time that takes? How many questions are getting answered? What's that ratio look like? Yep. Um, is content being shared? So once we post that content, are people sharing it? Um, so those are the types of things that we kind of look at that tell that story. And then from a business aspect, we're also looking at things like, does something that we enabled as part of the community experience contribute to an event attendance product conversion, mm -hmm. purchase of membership, renewal of membership, um, journey to certification, those types of things. So we're really kind of looking at how do we take the analytics that we have within the back end of our custom system, marry those with enterprise data analytics and voice of the customer data to tell that full story. And that's how we kind of present that value um, to, to ensure that um, we're able to effectively talk about what community is not only doing for our members, but what it's doing for the organization. So um, it's always still a challenge, right? Because, you know, sometimes the question comes up, well, well, you didn't have as many new users come in last month as you did the month before. Why is that? No, we didn't have as many. And that's because we held, you know, more maybe webinars last month than we did this month. But yep. if you look at how many people returned or who had successful search results, that's also very telling, right? So if they're coming back, that means that they're getting value out of the community and here's the journey that they're taking. Well, you, that they're you mentioned taking. something that I'm interested in is successful search. So what does that mean? Like they search something and they're successful. How do you determine that? I'm, I'm... So one of the things that you know we've looked at previously is if someone enters a search term 
Um, mm-hmm. And it brings up results. Not only did they click on it, but did they spend any time in that content? Mm-hmm. Right. Because sometimes people who are like, oh, successful search means that they put in something and they clicked on it and boom, successful search. Not necessarily. But if I can take a look at if someone put in a term, a, a search yeah. term, clicked on a link, and then how much time they spent on that piece of content. If they spent two seconds, that's not necessarily successful. Oh, I see. Yeah. Maybe they're like, oh, wrong thing. But if they spent three minutes, they probably read it, right? Yeah. So that means that they likely found what they looked for so, or found what they were looking for. So those are the types of things that we, we kind of look at to ensure that um, we're getting some meaningful engagement metrics and not just things that are surface and look like they're good metrics, like page views. I hate that metric. I I don't like that metric at all. If it's not married with some other data that helps tell us what that might mean. I don't Um, agree. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the, the, the page view, here's the problem is, is that some of these executives are stuck on the page view. Look, so instead of like what I do, instead of just fighting it, say, okay, you know, that's one metric we'll show. You know, so I think you just have to kind of know your audience. And, and I agree with you, page view, I could just click on page views, like click, 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 you know, and, and then sometimes, and then if, even if you have like a bug in the system or whatever, it still moves your page views up. And yep. so that's the problem with page views. It's not necessarily accurate every single month because of who knows what, you know, and, but the, I think the other metrics from a Google analytics standpoint are pretty good. You've already mentioned some, you know, on how long are people staying on certain pages and, you know, unique visitors or new visitors or ones that, you know, that come back. I, I love those. I, I do some of the same things. I, I like the, I want to go back to the search thing because I'm still uh, kind of intrigued with, so I know that you can look up certain links or certain places to see how long people are staying on pages, but what I'm not sure about, and I'm not sure if you're saying this or not, but is if somebody's does a search. So like in the higher logic platform, I can look at all the searches that are done and by who. Um, but I can't really tell if that was necessarily successful because it doesn't, maybe it does somewhere, but I just, if so, then that particular piece is kind of off, but, but it doesn't necessarily tell me what they clicked on per se from that search term. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if Marjorie's in there and she searches master data management, I don't know if she was successful or not. You know what I mean? Like, not sure. So help me understand kind of a little bit deeper on that because you've got me very intrigued actually. <laughs> yeah. So we, because we've got some backend data, data, data analytics in our system that's custom built and we mm-hmm. marry those with enterprise data analytics, um, we're able to see more of a, a full mm-hmm. journey and we're able to query awesome. information a little bit differently than you would in say like a higher logic or a yep. So the thing about, I think, you know, if we think about one of those things that that's a benefit of having a custom built system is that you can also custom build how you pull out your yep. analytics. Yep. Um, so we're able to run queries that tell us a little bit more information than maybe a normal analytics suite would, and then marry that with additional information we get from our data warehouse. I love it. I love it. And that, that is the benefit of uh, building your own or having a, a platform that allows you to build off of that platform. You know, some platform that I know is really good, and you probably know a few, but one is like Telligent. In the past, you know, if you had a developer that could really... Uh, was it really good? 
they could do a lot of really cool stuff, you know, with, with the platform, marry it up with, you know, I remember marrying it up with some e-commerce platforms, right? And then we can, we can move over like, um, so you know how whenever you go to an e-commerce platform and you're trying to buy something and it gives you recommendations, I can move those recommendations over based on the question on the Intelligent platform that will show all the, you know, product recommendations that you could buy. And, and I mean, this, because our goal was to bring, you know, 10% of our users from the community platform over to the e-commerce platform and to create an account, whether they create an account or not, that wasn't up to me, but it was to move that traffic over. And, you know, that was one of the business goals. It was just cool. You know, like you said, you can just do some really nice, awesome things. The problem is, is that you have to have a developer that can do all that stuff, you know? And so, you know, and that, pretty much need it, I don't know, full-time, but at least half of the time, I'm sure to, you know, I would. I remember having a developer and having a roadmap for that developer, you know, this things we need this quarter, boom, 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 let's go after it. And, you know, those, the platforms today, like Kuros, HireLogic, and probably some others don't allow you to do that, right? So it's just, they're good for what they do, but, you know, they have APIs to connect to different business systems, but even that is difficult, you know, so... Anyways, I, I love it. I think that's awesome, especially if you get the analytics stuff down, because then you can really think about the business goals, you know, and tie those directly. Do we get more memberships because of community, you know, or do they stay longer? Do they renew more? Do they buy more? I don't know. There's probably lots of really cool things that you can do. You can't do that with those, the ones I just mentioned. So that's really cool. I like it. Yeah, it's it's been great. Um, we've we've really been able to to do some really neat stuff with it. Um, one of the things that we did a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic hit, was we um, were able to tap into voice of the customer capability that we were building out as an organization. Um, and so we have a tool internally that really kind of pulls from different systems within the organization to tell us things like sentiment around particular mm -hmm. products, experiences, those types of things. And when I knew that this was rolling out, I was like, hey, there's a whole lot of conversations that take place within the community. We should certainly be plugged into that. And so now we've got a dashboard um, within our voice of the customer platform that we can create, we can um, um, customize that shows us data um, voice of the customer data that comes out of the community around any given topic. It can show us sentiment. Wow. It can show us, um, I think we can get um, some sort of um, NPS data out of it. Like there's, there's lots that we can, we can get out of that community. And then we can take a look and see what people are talking about, what the sentiment is around that. And if it's product or event related things that are not event or that are not related to the community, we can farm that data out and say, this is what we're seeing do with it what you will. And um, that awesome. dashboard is also available to, to anyone who has access to the VOC platform. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that you're, you're really doing some cool things, you know, from a, you know, business standpoint, right? Like, you know, business, what are the business outcomes that are coming out of uh, community? You can really show that. Uh, I'm sure that's taken some time to do. Is that right? Or, and yeah. Yeah, takes takes a while, but I love it. Jeez, uh, I'm gonna have to get more of these stories, Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's, great. Yeah, it's it's been a um, it's been a journey, but we're really getting to a point where we can um, we can really provide some some 
some really robust information around the behaviors and the information and the, the, the conversations that are happening within the community. And, um, and then that can help inform um, product strategies that can help inform uh, customer experience that can help inform um, user journeys that can that can help inform a lot and so that that was very important for me when I moved into a more leadership role within the um, community department um, or the community um, area to to really kind of figure out how do we how do we make sure that data is connected and that it's providing some significant information that not only tells us, what's happening within the community, but then what happens What happens when people leave the community or hmm. what data can we pull in that will help inform what we do from a community programming standpoint. Wow, so sophisticated. I love it. <laughs> I didn't ask you, but do you like beers at all? I do. Oh, good. What, what do you like? My favorite <laughs> one is, um, it's DeClaw's Sweet Baby Jesus is my favorite, my oh. absolute favorite. What, I've never heard of it. It is a chocolate hazelnut porter. It's oh. delicious. <laughs> so it's, it's dark, but it's chocolate. And okay. You know, that sounds kind of good. I'm not a big dark uh, beer fan and I don't like the poppy stuff. I kind of like the lighter stuff, um, you know, so, uh, wow. I'm going to try it though. I'm going to, I don't know if I can get it here, but I'll definitely try it. Where, where are you located? I am located right outside of Philadelphia. Okay. I'm in Dallas, Texas. So nice. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I had no idea where you're located. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We started talking like, this is our first time to really talk community, like one-on-one. We've, I don't think you and I have ever had a one-on-one conversation. We've been in a lot of the same uh, places and, and even done, you know, some uh, things together sort of, right. You know, just some panel discussions and things like that. But it's just like you popped up there and I popped up there and a couple other people were there and, you know, but I'm really glad that you came on. This is really awesome. Anything that, you know, kind of parting words, thoughts? Um, I, I think the, the only thing that I would just continue to say is um, one of the things that I think is really important as the community profession evolves is that um, we start to challenge some of the things that we uh, not necessarily know to be true, right? Like there are foundational elements of community building that will always be true. Hmm. But there are also things that I think that we can question when it comes to how we build community for our communities. And not everything is going to be a fit. And I think it's okay for folks to question that and really figure out what are the processes, what are the um, what are the frameworks, what are the things that actually will work and that I actually need to adopt in order for this to be a successful community for whatever purpose it's there for. So um, listen to people who've been in this space, but also yeah. trust your gut. You are building that community for yeah. a reason. You are. So adopt what works, scrap what doesn't, and, and, and build processes and frameworks and share your learning as you build, because that is how this, that is how this is, this profession is going to evolve. It's not up to me or, or anybody else to dictate what that looks like. We all have a hand in that. Yeah, it's, I want to say something, but you just said it beautifully. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Nice, <laughs> nice with Marjorie. So Thank you, everyone, for coming to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and Marjorie Anderson. Thanks again, Marjorie, for coming. Thanks for having me, Chris.